0: December second, two 2022, this morning's class and the classes that we had throughout the week were donated in honor of Sarah Cohen, Stephen and Sophia Cohen, Albert and Marcel Shami, Gail Mishan, and in memory of Jack Mishan, Nathan, and Marlene Cohen. We're in my sechit Sanhedrin on the pebet Amud Aleph. If you count from the top, it's... 22 lines down or up to the second word on the line now the connection seemingly of this next passage in the Gemara to that which preceded it and to even that which comes afterwards seems to be very tenuous at best the best interpretation aside from a bit of a derasha that will suggest is just the name of the rabbi who's presenting it rabbi hayabar avuya that's that seems to be the only connection with regards to why it's here but uh, let's understand what's stated, because it really seems out of place. But it's a story, ironically, because we learned Masechid Sanhedrin somewhat, not in a, uh, a direct and chronolog- chronological fashion. We already learned this story. Andaf Kof Gima, the Gemara, repeats almost identically uh, this exact story. Anyway, what is it? It says the Gemara, V'amar B'yachiyah bar Katub al gilgalto galto shel Yehoiakim on the skull of the king Jehoiakim. Yehoiakim was one of the later kings who uh, Nebuchadnezzar leads out of um, Eretz Yisrael and um, uh, he dies on his way out. Uh, he dies on the journey out. He was not a very righteous king, to say it lightly. And now his skull, says the Gemara, we have a tradition, says Rabbi Hayab that it said on the skull the following three words. Zot ve'od acheret. This and something as well. And what's the uh, significance of those words on his skull? Uh, who, were they, who were they written by? Well, we don't find that out. It seems as if they were just there. Uh, anyway, it tells us the Gemara. Zekeno keno pereda. Uh, the grandfather of Rabbi Pereda, who was the grandfather of Rabbi Pereda, Rashi explains it was none other than Rabbi Baravuya. So the person who told us, the Rabbi who told us initially about this skull, we're about to read a story according to this version of him. What happened to him? Ashka hahu gulgalta dehavat shadia sha'are Yerushalayim. He found that. Uh, skull, a skull that was strewn in the gates. It sounds like around the gate area of Jerusalem, maybe the entrance area. The Hava Katuba Ilave, and written on that skull, it said, "Quote Zot Ve'odah. Of course, it said those words. This and something more. It right, says uh, the Gemara, as the uh, Bichya Baravuya finds this Kavra. He buried the skull. It's not appropriate, both for Tuman Tahara reasons, as well as for Kavod hamet. It's inappropriate for skulls or skeletons or anything of that sort to just be strewn out on the street or at the entranceway to cities. So he buries it, V'hadar Navog. But then it, either immediately after or sometime after, he notices, it rises up again. Kavra, he buries the skull again, V'hadar Navog, and it rises up. Yet again, Amar Rabbi Avuyah, realizes, Hi, this gul galtah shel Yehoiakim. It must be the skull of Yehoiakim, the, the king. be, after all, Yirmiya prophesied about uh, Yehoiakim. Kivurat uh, hamor yikavir. He'll be buried, a burial akin to that of a hamor, of a donkey much as a donkey, there's no, uh, there's no pressure, there's no impotence to, uh, to, uh, to, to bury it under the ground, so to his body, his skull will be just strewn out there at the entrance to Jerusalem. That's the pasuk, that's the description. He won't have an honorable death. He won't have a way in which he's treated appropriately. Amar, realizes that this must be the skull of Malkahu. Uh, I know he wasn't righteous. I'm well aware of what Yirmiya prophesied about him. But ultimately speaking, this is the skull of a king. Again, I'll say by extension, it could be the skull of any other wicked person. But specifically, he realizes this is a king. And it's not derech it's not appropriate to allow for it to be shameful, to leave it strewn out like that. I know I've buried it twice and it rose twice, there has to be some other way of handling this. Shakla, He takes that skull, Karcha bishira'e, he uh, wraps it with, uh, what is that, silk, with uh, some sort of uh, uh, you know, wrapping paper of sorts. And he places it in siftara, she says, that's an argaz, a chest. So instead of burying it, he realizes that doesn't work, but it's better than it just being on the floor at the entrance to the Sha'alei Yerushalayim. He places it in a chest in his home. It always happens that way. His wife arrives, and she sees a skull in the chest. He thought he hid it from her. Of course she's going to find it. She doesn't confront him, says the Midrash. Naf- Nafkat, she goes out of the house. Instead of speaking to, I guess, her husband, whom she's wondering what's going on with him, she speaks to the neighbors about it. Amra vata. She says to the neighbors uh, that which she just found. Can you imagine? I was in my home, and I found a skull and a chest. Uh, you think that my husband is up to some sort of Something? What? What is this? Umbrella? I say, uh, just, just be, be, uh, be calm. This isn't sorcery. It's not witchcraft. Your husband, heaven forbid, would be involved in that. But we do have an inkling as to what this is and why your husband has that in your house. Hi, the iteta kamaita. He. This must be from his first wife. It's the skull of his first wife, de la camanchela. He hasn't forgotten her. It must be he always wants to remember he held on to the skull of his first wife. Now that's not very pleasing, charming, or a good thing for anyone to hear, certainly not the wife who's now currently married to Rabbi Hiya bar but now she understands and believes that this skull of Yehoyakim is actually the original wife of her husband, Rabbi Baravuya, and he hasn't forgotten her, it's, so to speak. He's living with two wives in the home. Of course, here is she who's alive, but this dead one as well. Not happy with this. She throws it into the oven. And it becomes burnt, charred. When arrives home, I'm injecting details, smells something burning. Real eye opens the oven, maybe looking for dinner. Whatever the circumstance is, it's the skull that I had in the chest. He says, Amar, this must be what it meant in the, uh, that was written on that gulgolit was written on that skull, Zot that's what it meant when it said on the skull, Zot this and something more. The this is, it was never buried appropriately. The something more is, not only that, but it would be burnt even after death. That's the Gemara's Midrash. The Gemara now brings us back to a conversation of Bo'ila Ramit, What's the relevancy of this story? Now there might not be. It might be some from time to time you find in the Gemara inexplicably for one reason or another may have been an editing reason that uh, the Chachmei Talmud saw fit, or in the Midrash this is what came up for one reason or another. We're not always able to figure it out. I wonder, though, as a suggestion, whether this is here in our Gemara because it is somewhat relevant to our conversation with regards to what we began yesterday to learn, what we'll continue now to learn, and that is. Or any of the other several sins mentioned in the Mishnah, zealots are supposed to go and handle and kill that person. It's uh, to Take a step back and try to appreciate the, that situation. The situation is one in which Hakadosh Baruch says, This is the law, the explicit law in the Torah. I will tell you, don't touch him, don't hurt her. Uh, you can't even bring them to court and put them to death. Of course you'll treat them harshly. Of course a person who publicly sins and causes a heilul Hashem will punish him in any and every way we're capable of doing. But it's not with death penalty. It's as if God says to us, according to the strict letter of the halacha law, this is the way it works. If there's the zealot amongst you, if there's the one in your midst who really gets this system, who slid their way into it to the extent that they're, to a certain extent, living Torah, the Pinehas personality, the individual whom you look at and everybody appreciates This person's acting L'shem Shaman. This person gets what this system's about. He or she is able to just act based on an intuition and understanding of what the halacha must be. But they can go above and beyond. Now that's programmed into the system. That there is an it's above a, and beyond. Well, listen to the circumstance. <laughs> <why, laughs> she 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 Kiv she she yachol, without knowing, the Gemara though is citing for us. You're right. It's not identical because it's she doesn't it. know. But I'm suggesting that the story is close. But but I, I, is it jealousy? Is it jealousy or is it or is it jealousy or is it alternatively to a certain extent? The way this relationship should be is without her. So so too, if this sin is taking place, you're turning to Akadosh Paco and say, "You didn't strike that person. Of course, we don't actually mean. Of course he put it into the program. But you're turning to him, and you're saying, "You allowed for this person to stay alive. This person who's acting like that is still around. So the Midrash then that that we're told in the Gemara, the gulgolet is left alive. Uh, Not left alive, it's left intact. HaKadosh Baruch who's leaving it to be. According to the strict letter of the law, Kivyachol, the law of the Torah, it's still alive, it's still out there. The wife of Rebichia Baravuya, the beyond halacha, the uh, impetuous uh, personality, uh, the individual who's so possessed with a uh, zealotry, uh, to do what they know is the right thing to do, albeit in this story, mistakenly, but in the scheme of things, <laughs> right, but in the scheme of things, of course, in the scheme of things, it's, it's a fulfillment of that zot the even those very words, and the way the hachamim are envisioning them being fulfilled uh, match this story, this, this halakha line as well. Zot ve'odah heret kivyachol. It's as if, it's as if, that's what I'm suggesting. That's not direct. Zot ve'odah God says, I've done this. Oda." what does that mean? I don't know. Who's going to, it's going to be up to you if you could figure out or you could determine what that odah is. Yo that makes it even better, though, in, in, in the scheme of things you're suggesting. I mean, but again, I, it's not even by Israel. He's led out by Nebuchadnezzar. But do you want him to. Anyway, says the Gemara onward, ki ata ravdimi. When ravdimi arrived in Babel from Eretz Yisrael, he taught what he had learned. It sounds like the following Bet dino shel hashmonai means during the time of the second Beit HaMikdash, the Betin that was operating. So the Betin during the latter part of the second Beit HaMikdash time period had the following gazru. they had the following enactment. Enactment as a gezera, of course, as a safeguard. So what you're about to read is not halakha from the Torah, it's rabbinic law at its best, it's the hachamim realizing an inappropriate activity or tendency of people, and as a result, making a decree, enactment is the wrong word, decree is the better word. Here was the statement, haba al hakutit, a person who has relations with a kutit, again, a kutit is a reference not to necessarily a woman from kuta, Uh, uh, It's not from a specific nation. It's the generic word the Gemara will use for non-Jews, not even uh, idolaters, non-Jews. Why don't they just say non-Jews? So there was fears of uh, throughout persecution in the Talmud. If you mentioned non-Jews, this is the way we quote unquote envision you. Uh, So we say al hakutit hayav alea. There's a Hayuv, You'll be punished for nashga. That of course, is a net and that's. An acronym, that's the word, I forgot the word for a second, abbreviation, abbreviation. all right, well, it's more simple, and, uh, and what, what, acronym, that's the word, not acronym, not acronym, not acronym. Not Yeah. Not. Ac- no, not an acronym, acronym, anyway, say so here's the acronym, Nun Shin Gimal Aleph, before I uh, decipher it together with you, it's a reference to um, getting lashes, Midra Banan. And there's something called makot mardut. Uh, for each one of these four, you would get a set of lashes with Rabbanan, rabbinically speaking. Uh, what are these nun, shin, gimal, aleph? Well, Rashi will help us. I mean, the gimara in its ensuing lines will really break it up for us. But Rashi already helps us. The nun, says Rashi, is nida, of course, a woman in her menstrual uh, period. Uh, says Rashi, I'm, I'm reading Rashi, Rashi's all the way up the page, about 25 lines from the top. Kutit and of course, you know, imagine such a line being read publicly today outside of context. It says the blood of a non is like the blood of an animal. All right, we don't mean it in that respect. We mean it in halachic respect that it doesn't have the status and stature of establishing the woman as a nida, even though that's, the technical halakha, according to the Torah, nonetheless, this is ma- maus. This is something disgusting, and hilul Hashem, a person who's having relations with a woman who's not Jewish, he'll be uh, he'll be prosecuted in a rabbinic court for midah. Now, what sort of circumstance? Before we even break down the other three, what are we talking about? We're not talking about public activity. If it's public activity, can <laughs> I it can't be marriage or we assume it's not marriage either because marriage is Lotit Hatenba. It's an issue from the Torah. It's rather in private. It's not. we have knowledge, maybe we have testimony of a woman. What's that? No, only if it has only if you have kavanah to do so. Of course, we have concept of zona, we have concept of kadesha, we have all sorts of. That's nida, uh, so that's the nun in the nashga. Uh, after the nun in nashga, uh, so we have a shin. Says Rashi, shivha, a uh, shivha. Of course, is a as a slave, as a woman slave. She kishivha etzlo, she knesset Israel, gevira nikret. He it says she's not actually a slave. I mean. We're assuming she's not this woman, because the decree is on every woman you give her the status of a Shibha, uh, but she's not a Shibha, she's not a slave compared to the Jews. Knesset Israel, Am Israel are known as the Giviraz, the master. As a result, the Bet Dinoshel Hashmonai treated this woman, any woman that had the relations were with, number one, Nida, number two, as a Shibha. Uh, the next one is Gima, for Goy, says Rashi Ovedet Kochavim. Lotit haten bam kiyasi, kolam mesirot etalev be mashma, o miu de lotit haten leka de oraita, de derek hatnut mashma, o betinoshal hashmanai gazru, de lefrosh mine, mishum kolhane. Says Rashi, what I kind of alluded to a moment ago, he says, You're not really violating the issue of the Torah, lotit haten bam, because that's talking about derek. Hatnu, Charlie. Right? It's if you're doing it in the fashion, in the manner of ma- of marriage. If it's not so, so, you're not actually violating that. But betinoshal hashmoni said, even if it's a one time affair, in such a situation, we say uh, that is a problem of of, uh, of of marriage, so to speak, in the Torah, not in the Torah level, rabbinic level of being involved with a goy. So we have officially nida. Shivha and Goy. Lastly, what's the Aleph? It's Eshet Ish. Eshet Ish, of course, means a married woman. Do non Jews have the status of Ishut, of being married? Not at all simple. The assumption of our Gemara is this is only Midrabanan. Well, we did see two Gemarot earlier in our Masechet, which the Rishonim and much more so the Aharonim deal and deliberate and uh, and have trouble trying to resolve. On the one hand, the Gemaran Daf Nun Bet mentioned the Pasuk of Vishkiyin Afesh et et Eshet Re'ehu. In the context of relations with a woman who's married to someone else, it says a person who has relations with Eshet Re'ehu. Re'ehu means your friend. The assumption, of course, of to the Torah your friends are Jews or Am Yisrael. It sounds like Eshet Re'ehu, there will only be Ishut, marriage stat- status for Yisrael that's that Gemara on the other hand the Gemara N'Dafnun quoted the Pasuk of V'davak B'Yishto bi'ish, V'hayu had Echad V'davak you should cleave to your wife B'Yishto V'lo Be'eshet chavero, not to the wife of someone else that of course is before Matan Torah that's a statement in the context of Adam and Chava the Gemara has in that context as well the concept of beulat Ba'au that if there's relations between one non-Jew and another non-Jew there's already a certain stature of belonging so is it a full-fledged ishut, it's as if it's married from the Torah, certainly not is there something even according to the Torah? Certainly. <speaking in> Hashmonai, <Hebrew> say, this woman, if she's married, eshet <speaking in Hebrew> ish So that's a fourfold makot <speaking> mardut, <in Hebrew> a person who had such, a rela- such relations would uh, be liable to. Ki ravin, amar, ravin, when he arrives from Elis Israel, he heard it or received it a little bit differently, or remembered a little bit differently, instead of Nashga. <speaking> in <Hebrew> The last one being eshet ish, the last one instead was nashgaz, it was a zayin at the end. Um, well, we'll figure out what the zayin is. We do understand already why it wasn't an aleph or eshet ish, because uh, we're suggesting that the concept of ishut by non-Jews, he'll speak it out, really doesn't exist. Who, who are these four? Nida, as we discussed and explained, ha goya, and lastly, Zona, zona. The Torah has a pasuk, lo tiyekedesha, lo iyekedesh. It's a person who's mufkereet lebeilah. It's a person who's just open for relations. Generally speaking, only a kohen is prohibited uh, to get married to a zona. Zona means she had relations with someone. She was prohi- She she was prohibited to do so beforehand. A kohen is prohibited then to get married to her. A kohen is then prohibited. The Torah tells us, "Ishad not allowed to get. Parashat. Over here, the statement is even for the Yisrael. It appears the Beit Yinoshal Hashmona'i would suggest this is a zonah, and you get makot for it as well. Aval ishut, but for this marital eshet ish status, no, let lehu. They don't have that sort of status. How would the first approach? This second one was Ravdimi the first of, excuse me was Ravin. The first one was Ravdimi. Ravdimi did maintain that there is eshetish. At least that's what he heard in Eris Israel. How's there eshetish? It's not actually eshetish, but it is. What is it? The idach and the other opinion who had nashga the four uh, makot mardut rabbinic violations and punishments nashayu Vadai la Their wives, those of the non-Jews, certainly they're not Mafkir They don't just make them open to everyone. So although in the Halakh strictest sense of the word you wouldn't say they're married to the extent that we would treat them that you'd get for example but nonetheless the fact that they keep they have a respectful and respect respect among one another and the husband is very careful as is the wife to keep to that relationship our assumption is I'm kind of in contrast, perhaps to what we envision the of the Abu Zarah bisman had Torah from the time of the Torah, it's for that reason that the Bet Din of had Eshet Ish as part of those Makot Marduk. Continues the Gemara. Let's go. The non-Jewish woman. Yeah, right. We treat, we deal with non-Jews. Uh, maybe the same. I don't know wants to know how would we treat the Goya who has relations with the Israel in the time of Beti Noche Hashmonai. I don't know. Says so the Gemara onward. Ama. That's certainly true. He's assuming we're under Jewish jurisdiction. Right? So what's, what would the happen? of hasda habali malech en Morinlo. Statement here of Rav Hasta is if the person sees one of these acts, let's do it the most coarse and uh, and, and famous example, the Boel Aramit. If Pinehas turns to Moshe Rabenu, and were to say without knowledge of what the halacha is, what is the halacha in this situation? In Morinlo, you don't answer to them. Why don't answer to them? Of course, that's the paradox. By definition, it needs to be a zealot. A zealot knows what is true and what is false. They act based on their own instinct and innate knowledge of the circumstance. If they're turning to someone else for guidance, direction, or, in, or information, it's no longer a zealot. It's no longer kanaim pogimbo. We don't tell them, what do I do now? We keep our mouth shut or we tell them, I don't know. You should know. Um, says the Gemara, Indeed, we have a similar statement. A person who comes to ask, uh, to consult. We don't answer. Furthermore, had Zimri separated himself? Now we're going to start talking about this story in just a moment or two. That's found in the Torah. The story in the Torah is Am Yisrael in a place called Shittim. They come in context with with the women uh, from uh, Midian. They're involved as well in Avodah Zarah at that time period. The women are bringing them to Avodah Zarah. The Torah then uh, describes at the very end of the parashah about how a man, the Nasi of Shevet Shimon, his name was Zimri, that's who we're referring to, is seemingly publicly having relations with Kozbi Batsur Melech Midian. he's having relations with the princess whose name is Kozbi now says the Gemara had Zimri separated himself oh my goodness you see who's coming Pinehas is coming so he separates himself from the act of relations the Harago had Pinehas entered the tent seen him and then he separates very quickly startled and then Pinehas nonetheless kills him Neheragala Pinehas would get killed for that the only way in which is if they're in the midst of the act. And they separated. It's not so any longer. What about if Nehepach Zimri vaharagola Pinehas? What about he's in the middle of the act? He's in the middle of the act. Pinehas enters in, and Zimri somehow has right next to him. This is the easiest way to. I know I know it's, they didn't have guns then, but oh, he takes out his slingshot and he shoots Pinehas as Pinehas comes in. I so say, You were in the middle of the act. Uh, Pinehas was about to kill you uh, legally, but now you killed Pinehas. What's the status? In the Hiraganav. Zimri would not get killed in the court for that, for that uh, not self defense, but seeming self defense. Shahare <laughs> rodefu because it is considered self defense. Self defense, he was allowed to kill you. You had a bullet on your head, but not really. He wasn't commanded to kill you. The only time we mamash consider you a dead man walking to the extent that the person who's killing you, you can't touch them and you'll be liable for that is if the person who's going after you has an obligation. Our circumstance, through and through, is only Kanaim Pogimbo. Kanaim Pogimbo means the zealots. It's not a hova, it's not instruction and mandate from the Torah. It's a permissibility from the Torah. If you've tapped into what's true, what's wrong, and you act on it, all right, that's your prerogative, and we're going to praise you potentially for doing so. Uh, but that's not a hova to the extent that had Zimri killed Has, ironically and crazily. Zimri would not be liable for it because Pinechas would not be acting on the command of the Torah, but rather on the permissibility of the Torah. We would give him the status of (laughs) Rodev. (laughs) No, Everybody's asking Moshe the no alright alright we are All right, all right. We're all we're all very familiar of the Gemara that we haven't yet learned, but yeah, give it give it a minute. It says the Gemara, Moshe El What takes place at at that juncture in the Torah? The uh, you know, as we're closing out Sefer Bar, close to closing out, maybe midway through. Uh, so it says the pasuk that Moshe turns to the Shofetim, to the judges of Israel, and he makes clear to them we have to kill all the people who have been it's peor all the people who have worshiped Abu Zarah Says the Gemara, well, let's 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 elaborate. Let's fill in the details with regards to what was really taking place. And we have now some derashot about this in the Gemara. Zimri Ben Salum. Zimri Ben Salum, who is there? Rosh Beit He is there. Nasi. Uh, they go. The people of his tribe and they consult with him. Amrulo <speaking in Hebrew> Fashot. Look out! Look outside of your tent. You know what's taking place. Moshe is walking around with all the judges, and they're determining who's put to death and who's not. And you're just sitting, docile, quiet. That's appropriate. Shouldn't you be involved in this endeavor? Shouldn't we be in some way active, either on the behalf of Moshe or get what, what's happening? Me'asa. What did Zimri then do? Ahmad the Kibetz. Elif He gathered 24,000 from Am Yisrael. What seems to emerge, seems to be the case, is from his Shevet, from Shevet Shim'on. So 24,000 people. We'll figure out where we get that number from. The Torah will describe how 24,000 people fall. So that's where we got that number seemingly from. And he marches together with this entourage of 24,000 people to Kozbi, the daughter of the king of Midian. He says to her, Hash, or he uh, Listen to me. In other words, it's a clean way of the Gemara telling us he's proposing relations with her. she says to him, "Me have relations with you? Who are you?" But melechani. I'm daughter of a king. Don't you know what my father commanded me? The only one you can have relations with from Am Yisrael, from that nation, you can't go to any of the lower rank, only the highest ranking. responds Zimri, the, uh, he says, you should know, and he's speaking in third person, he is uh, the, the prince of the tribe. In other words, I'm an important person. I want you to know, I'm greater, or he, he's speaking in third person, is greater than Moshe. You think that's the leader, the one down the road that's talking to everyone? Well, that's, that's not the greatest. Moshe comes from the third son of Yaakov, of course, Levi, that's his lineage. Me, I come from the second one, Shimaon. I'm higher up in the lineage. I'm greater than him. I am both a Nasi of a Shevet, a prince, a head of a tribe. And furthermore, I'm even better than the alleged leader of these. Tafesah, Bibloriata. The He grabs her by her Gentile Avodazara haircut. The Gemara we saw in Sanhedrin and the Gemara at the end of Masechet Avodah describes this blorit, the haircut of the idolatrous people. He grabs her by her hair, and the Torah and the Gemara tells us, you know, what type of haircut. To demonstrate this is an act of defiance through and through. He's not forcing her. She seems to be uh, interested in this at this point. But uh, at the same time, this is an act of defiance. He's doing this as a spit in the face of Moshe HaKadosh Baruch Hu Am Yisrael. I'm going with an idolatrous woman. I have intent and intention to worship Avodah Zarah through this. He brings her in front of Moshe. Amarlo ben Amram turns to Moshe and speaks to him in a derogatory uh, um, uh, uh, verbiage. It seems he calls him Ben Amram. Zo asura o This woman, whom I'm holding by her idolat- uh, idolatrous uh, hair- uh, haircut, is she permitted or forbidden? Vim tomar I know you're gonna say forbidden. Okay, before you say so, let me ask you a question. Pat Yitro, you know that uh, man whose name was Yitro, who oh, you do, he's your father-in-law. His daughter, mihitira lecha, or mihitira lecha, who permitted her to you. Oh, so she's from a different tribe, a different nation, outside of Am Yisrael. She's not permitted. Oh, wh- what about you, uh, Sir Moshe? The truth is, Rashi explains to us how to resolve that question. The Gemara never records a response of Moshe. It says, Rashi, Moshe Matan Torah nasa. Moshe got married, got involved with Bat Yitro, before there were laws and instructions from the Torah. And once the Torah was given, all of Am Yisrael enter into kilal Mitzvot. Those words of Rashi, many of the Aharonim pay attention to. The reason they pay attention to them is because the question of when we achieved, and there are interesting conversations, not for now, but when we achieved the status of Yisrael, as is always an important question uh, for many reasons. Did we need a full fledged conversion at Muhammad Har Sinai or not, among many others? According to Rashi over here, he seems to be telling us, we all, including Moshe, so to speak, needed to become Yisrael and Ma'amad Har Sinai. And as a result, Bat Yitro, sipora is no different than Moshe. In that respect, she had the conversion together with everyone else. Ramban Nahmani in his commentary in the Torah, famously talks about uh, being at a different juncture. Much earlier, we have Ubagoyim Goyim Hashav, we have Am Yisrael taking form. But either way, you slice it over here, he returns to Moshe and he says to him why is she any different than your wife there it is Jesse Moshe doesn't know how to respond he doesn't know how to respond to the circumstance, to the claim. Everyone starts crying. The Pasuk says and everyone's crying at the entrance to Ohil Moed, to the place of Moshe. Uh, so everyone's having a hard time because Moshe doesn't know what to do. He's silenced. Zimri has this audacious, bold, disgusting claim. Uh, what, what are we supposed to do? Pause for a second. Now, of course, there's no simple answer to this. Why didn't Moshe know the halakha? Ultimately speaking, Pinachas is going to remember the halacha, which Moshe taught him. How come Moshe didn't know it? I think Moshe He's represents what's uh? that? He is involved. Maybe that's a much better answer than I'm going to give. I'm also going to suggest that Moshe represents the words of the Torah as we have them. Moshe hands us Torah Tashem. He is the mouthpiece, as we've said on many occasions, of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So he hands that over. So yes, he taught traditions on the side. Uh, with regards to what he received. But with regards to his essence, he's not going to be the one who's uh, who's kind of proclaiming this Lifni Mishurat this Halakha which goes above and beyond. Let me just go very quickly. Ukhti vayar el azar and p'nechaz el azar sees my great uncle mpinehas is the son of El who is the son of Aharon. Aharon, of course, is the brother of Moshe. My great uncle, didn't you teach us when you came down from Har Sinai? I remember it. Habueleta kalkutit. Kanaim pog didn't you teach us a person who has relations with a non-Jew, Kanaim, the zealots, a strike and kill them? Amarlo responds, Moshe, Karyana di'igarta, the one who, so to speak, is reading from the letter. In other words, portraying to all the halakha, Ihu, that same person, lehave, parvanka, uh, he will be the messenger of the king. In other words, you're not going to bring a messenger and then have someone else read the letter. The person who's reading the letter is the messenger as well. Pinechas in this moment is reading the letter. He's teaching the law to the people. Now you're going to hand it over to me or to someone else to execute the halacha? You're the one who read the letter. And as a result, Moshe in this situation has Pinehas, thank you, Musa, that's right, has Has act on it. Jesse was kind of asking earlier, but I thought you can't ask that question and get a response. How's that taking place over here? The, the, what yeah. Ran, Haidushe Haran, Rabbeinun Nisim suggests, he asked that question. He answers to yeah. this. He says, Moshe's not telling him what to do. He's remembering through his conversation with Moshe. Moshe just says, I'm going to stand back and allow for you to act. But you're the one who taught the halacha. You're the one, you did go to Moshe to ask him, or the people did, but you're the one who instructed and decided and knew the halakha.